630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Here we go. Senators and Rangers scoreless. Eight and a half minutes left in the first period. Just getting underway in Chicago. The Blues and the Blackhawks with a win. St. Louis would make it a three-way tie atop the Central Division. They come into tonight with 94 points. Winnipeg and Nashville both idle and sitting with 96. And later on tonight, the Flames play the Ducks. Day off for the Oilers, just two games left in their season. They will host San Jose tomorrow. 7 o'clock puck drop at Rogers Place. Our coverage will start with the face-off show at 5.30. We'll have a bit of a preview later on with Dan Rusinowski. He is the play-by-play voice for the San Jose Sharks who are already locked in to play the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs. NBA tonight after the first quarter. Raptors lead the Nets 34-22. And earlier today, the Blue Jays beating Baltimore 5-3. Matt Shoemaker, seven scoreless innings on the the mound only gave up two hits one walk he struck out eight how about this the Toronto Blue Jays are the first team to have their starters allow no earned runs in five of their first seven games since the 1917 St. Louis Cardinals 102 years ago was the last time a major league team had its starters not allow an earned run in five of the first seven games of the season of course that Cardinals team Managed by the unforgettable Miller Huggins as they went 82 and 70 on the season. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. We'll have a lot to get to, uh, a little bit on the Oilers, of course, as we move along. We'll talk to Christina Rutherford about the demise of the Canadian Women's Hockey League. It folded on the weekend after uh, after 12 years of existence. So that's uh, kind of tough news there. She'll tell us why that happened and what it means going forward for women's professional hockey. But of course, an exciting time of year to follow the NHL and look back on some of its great moments. The Leafs coasting home to victory here in game one. Anderson comes in. Gilmore was hit inside the line by McSorley. And this is going to draw Clark and McSorley into a rocket. They're going and throwing punches. Oh, Clark is nailing McSorley. Now McSorley comes back. Gilmore was hit inside the line. He's still down. He is a move. Gilmore trying to get up. McSorley was grabbed by Clark, who threw that hit on Gilmore. And Clark and McSorley are flailing away each other. Two of the heavyweights of the league. And no nonsense here. They're going at it. McSorley has the sweater off, and Clark nails him with another uppercut. Now Clark gets hit, ducks away from one. McSorley now pounding away, and the two linesmen just scared to take a chance on getting in there, I guess. Finally, they get in. Well, the Stanley Cup playoffs start a week from today, and who knows what kind of memories are going to be created. That audio from almost 25 years ago, May 17, 1993, memorable moment, Game 1 of the Campbell Conference Final. Los Angeles and Toronto. Doug Gilmore gets drilled by Marty McSorley and Wendell Clark jumps right in and they have a memorable fight and that was a memorable series. And a guy who had a great view of that moment because he was in the LA Kings net at the time is our weekly guest, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Reed. Yeah, what great memories. Uh, you know, I go back to the first round uh, of those playoffs. We had uh, Calgary. 
Uh, we finished them off in six games, and it was a really emotional series. There was a lot of bad blood. Then we went on to play Vancouver, and that was an even better series. It was uh, remarkable uh, how well both teams played in that series. Once again, we're able to get through them uh, in six games. But we had spent so much uh, emotionally in those two series that we started off that Toronto series uh, not really fully engaged at all. In fact, we got smoked that first game. Uh, when you mentioned that hit uh, on Doug Gilmore, it was late in the third period. We're down 4-1. In fact, I think I faced over 20-some shots in that third period, and we just weren't really involved mentally. And so when I noticed that hit, and I saw it coming for a second or two before, and I wasn't surprised that Marty went after Doug Gilmore because Marty was the kind of guy that would go after anybody, big or small, and he knew that we had to uh, raise our temperature to get back into the series, and boy, did that ever get us going. And, and then that fight, I think that really got both teams into it. Uh, it was an incredible fight between two really uh, great guys that uh, battled hard for their teams. And and all of a sudden, we got we got it involved in the series after that. Then we ended up winning the next game 3-2, and all of a sudden it's tied 1-1, and we're going back home. So that certainly turned that series around for us because I don't know how we would have uh, played in game two, but certainly uh, we we finished that game with a lot of emotion carrying it over into game two. Well, and I was watching the video of that whole sequence, and, and I remember watching the game live, and I remember Barry Melrose did something that irritated Pat Burns, but that was actually several minutes after the fight because they were sorting out penalties. Yeah. I think there was a second fight that they didn't even show on TV because there was so much else going on. But it was like two, three minutes after the fight uh, that that Burns didn't like something Melrose did and charged at the bench. I don't know if you were even aware of that till maybe after the game since you were standing in your crease at the time. Uh, right. I wasn't aware of that. I, I think... When I got back to my hotel room and watched the sports highlights, I think I was aware of that. But yeah, if you're if you're right, I think it was Dave Taylor and Todd Gill that also had a fight, um, and that was a, another spirited battle. But I recall a story Marty said after that game one. He went back to the hotel, and uh, his brother was with him, and his brother cleared off his voicemail messages from the hotel phone. And I think he had something like a hundred and some threats. Uh, not only physical threats, but I think death threats uh, against him. And so it was uh, really interesting to hear how you know, that one play infuriated not only the city of Toronto, but I think most of Canada because they recognized that uh, we weren't there just to allow the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, an easy berth in the Stanley Cup Finals. Like We were there, and uh, we were going to do our best to uh, make it a real challenge for them. Well, we're going to see some uh, memorable moments coming up in the postseason for sure. Before we get there, we got to finish the regular season, and uh, that'll be two more games here for the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, uh, they got blown away in the last two periods tonight against the or last night against the Colorado Avalanche. Hitch made some references to uh, mental and, and physical exhaustion, which I, I think is is relevant to a point given the way the Oilers have been trying to play yeah. catch up for the last two months. But you know, Koskinen hasn't looked good. Recently, uh, you know, several questionable goals, especially over the last three games, I would say. I, I don't want to beat on him and pick his game apart. I think we've been doing enough of that lately. But fatigue for a goaltender. I, I'm wondering what it was like for you, what part of your game might have started to go, or when you see current goaltenders playing, are there any signs that, that you point out that are signs of fatigue? 
Yeah, a couple things stand out to me, and and this isn't always the case, but I think it's something that you, I keep an eye on, anyways. And uh, for me, it's if a player's or if a goaltender's playing a little bit too deep in his net, that can be a sign of fatigue. Um, and secondly, just not reading a play very well, and those uh, not reading a play is a sure sign of mental fatigue for me because. I, I know when I was really struggling, and uh, if I was tired at all mentally, man alive, that the plays became way too fast for me. I, I lost a lot of my uh, vision out there. I, instead of seeing, say, three or four players of the opposition, I could only see maybe the puck carrier and maybe uh, a bit of another guy. And you know, I, I just wasn't really all that focused, and it was really hard to uh, to pick up what might be happening in front of me. And so uh, I don't know if that's a case with Koskinen. Uh, I do know this, that uh, it is interesting, though, that um, when you have a guy like that that is uh, very inexperienced and uh, his safety net to a certain degree was Cam Talbot, um, and then all of a sudden you're the guy and you have another inexperienced guy backing you up, that can also create some sort of uh, situation where that's mentally tiring also because it, it, it's so relaxing when you have a safety net and when you know that uh, the guy that's uh, backing up uh, you that night has the ability to, to to change the outcome of a game. And I don't think he feels that way right now. Yeah, I mean, we might see Anthony Stoller's uh, tomorrow. Hitch referenced that after last night's game. Kelly Rudy yeah. joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender. Now with the uh, NHL on uh, Rogers, and you, you cover the Calgary Flames, and they got the best record in the West. Now it's interesting. They're probably going to play Colorado. That could be ironed out over the next couple of days which means they would avoid the Dallas Stars, who they didn't beat this season. I mean, I don't know how much you you put into that season series, Kelly, and how you look at having the Avalanche as a possible opponent instead of Dallas. I know, I know you know, publicly mm-hmm. the team would never say, oh, okay, we didn't want to play those guys. But from your observations, is this going to be a, a – and look, the Flames are a great team, don't get me wrong, but maybe a bit of relief that it's probably going to be Colorado and not Dallas? Well, I would agree with you, uh, I, and I'm with you as well, that uh, Calgary, of course, would never say anything along those same lines. And, and I think the season series has something to do with it. I don't think it's uh, everything to do with going into a playoff series and the mindset, and I don't think it dictates that much. You know, you'd be, it'd be nice if you uh, had won the regular season series between your first-round opponent or second-round opponent, but... No, I just think more so than anything, um, after watching Dallas here uh, recently a few times, uh, I wouldn't want to play that team. They're, they're too stingy defensively, and uh, they have enough offensive uh, talent to take over, and they're very comfortable with a 3-1 game or a 2-1 game. And, uh, and for that reason, I just I, I don't think I'd like to play them. And they're, they're, they're playing loose, and uh, their coach, Jim Montgomery, has done a wonderful job of getting them to play discipline. I, I recall being in Dallas uh, earlier this year, I think it was in December, and they had visited Calgary uh, like a month or so before that, and I watched him uh, conduct the morning skates, and boy, was I ever impressed. He didn't allow them. Uh, any leeway whatsoever. He made sure that they're right on top of it. The drills that he uh, had laid out for the morning skates, he made sure that they did it properly. And if there's uh, if there's a bad pass, he'd make them do it over again. And so he he coached them right way, forced them to get into bad, uh, good habits, 
uh, whether it's a practice and led to games, and now you look where they are. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of teams in the Western Conference thinking, man, I sure hope I don't have to play the Dallas Stars. Yeah, interesting. Okay, Kelly, I know you got a broadcast tonight. We will talk to you next week. We'll be into the postseason by then, man. It's going to be fun. Thanks for checking in. You got it. Thanks, pal. See ya. That is Kelly Rudy, our weekly guest here at Inside Sports. Great memories of that 1993 series. That was a classic interview between, or a classic uh, series between Los Angeles and Toronto. And that fight, Kelly had a great view of it. Doug Gilmore was hit hard by Marty McSorley. Wendell Clark jumps right in there, and they went in there, and Drew texting into 630-630. He says, I'm reading a book about that series called The Last Good Year. I would like to hear more about that, Drew. Thanks a lot for writing into 630-630. You can also call 780-496-0063. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow. Dan Rusinowski will join us after the 630 News to let you know what's going on with San Jose. They are playoff bound again, but how well do they match up against the Vegas Golden Knights? That's all ahead. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Out of the shotgun, here's Ricky Ray, wants to go deep, he does for Stamps, and he does not, he yes. does, he yes. makes the catch, yes. what a catch down near the 8-yard line. Has he come to play tonight or what? Ray's looking for Fred Stamps though, this time Stamps goes up, oh my goodness, what a catch, one-handed and then two feet to the end zone, touchdown Eskimos. Ray fades back, he throws, he's going deep for Fred Stamps, triple coverage. No, no. Did he? He yes. comes up with it. What a catch. Fred Stamps in three blue shirts. He goes up and comes down with it. Motion starts. Charles will block. Joseph will throw. And he's going deep down the sidelines. And look at that. Fred Stamps. What a catch. And to the end zone. And the Eskimos now have a two-touchdown lead. Some of the best moments of Fred Stamps' career with the Edmonton Eskimos. He retired yesterday as a member of the Eskimos, signing a one-day contract. Uh, Morley Scott was able to talk to him. You can get that full interview on the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. Now, Fred Stamps will be returning to Commonwealth Stadium for the team's home opener on June 14th for a pregame autograph session and a special retirement acknowledgement at halftime. That'll be that game against the Montreal Alouettes. Now, Fred Stamps, of course, wore number two for the Eskimos. Single game tickets for the home opener now on sale. That's about a month ahead of schedule starting at just $22.22. A lot of twos here because of Fred Stamps, and uh, they are in the lower bowl for 222 hours. You can get that price, so it runs until April 11th at 8 p.m. Stamps, obviously great player, signed with Edmonton as a free agent back in December of 2006, eight years here, almost averaging $1,000, a thousand yards per season, 7,932, 49 touchdowns. He had two 200-yard games, led the league in receiving twice, 2009, and also in 2013. Uh, great player, great member of the Eskimos, loved playing in Edmonton. So uh, hadn't obviously played for the last three years, wanted to make it official, and he decides to do it as a member of the Green and Gold. Be good to have Fred Stamps back in town. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. We will have a, a little bit on the San Jose Sharks coming up after the 630 News with Dan Ruzanowski. He is their play-by-play voice. While we had Kelly Rudy on the show, two goals for the Ottawa Senators. They now lead the Rangers 2-0 after the first. Bobby Ryan scored on a power play 
at 12:14, and then just over a minute later at 13:29, Zach Smith scores shorthanded. The Blues and the Blackhawks underway halfway through the first period. Chicago eliminated from playoff contention last night. San Jose can still finish first in the Central Division. If they were to win tonight in regulation time, they would have 96 points. Well, if they were to win tonight, uh, they'd get to 96 points. If they win in regulation, once you apply the tiebreakers, they'd be up to second in the Central. Winnipeg would have first place, St. Louis would have second, and Nashville would be bumped down to third. But the Blues have to beat Chicago for that to happen. But they've been an incredible story in the second half of the season. Maybe the team to beat coming out of the Central. I, I would think the Flames will be the favorite in the Pacific. And as Kelly mentioned, maybe Calgary getting a bit of a break here as they will likely play Colorado in the first round instead of Dallas. Flames had trouble with Dallas this season. Did not beat them, and Dallas one of the best defensive teams in the NHL, so they'll be dangerous going into the postseason. All right, we're going to pause for the 6.30 news. We will also talk about a comment today made by Craig Simpson about a potential trade involving the Nuge. Now, this was speculation, but I know it fired some people up, so we will get to the exact... It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline clip and some reaction to it as well. That is all ahead. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. We're back after the news. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Coming up tomorrow night here on 6.30, Chad Faceoff Show at 5.30. Game will start at 7. Just two games left in the season for the Oilers. They will be in Calgary for an 8 o'clock game on Saturday. Flames and Ducks face off at 8.30 tonight. Blues and Blackhawks scoreless. Six and a half minutes left in the first period. Senators lead the Rangers 2-zip after 1. Raptors leading the Nets 55-48 in the final minute of the first half. And earlier today, the Blue Jays going to 3-4 and four on the season with a 5-3 win over the Baltimore Orioles. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. The Oilers taken down last night 6-2 by the Colorado Avalanche. The Oilers led the game 2-0 after the first period on goals by Lucic and Nurse. Darnell Nurse, first Oilers defenseman since 08-09 to hit 40 points in a season. There have been some guys who have gotten close since then, including Oscar Clefbaum. Back in 08-09, Sheldon Surrey had 53 points, and Tom Gilbert got to 45. So Nurse got to 40 yesterday with that goal, which was a bit of a softy on Semyon Varlamov. The puck was going through the crease and went in off the arm of Varlamov and into the net. But as we've seen so often this season, 
when an opponent wants to crank it up and get the pressure going and get the pace going more often than not the Oilers cannot match it they cannot keep up and they cannot stop it and that's what happened in the second period and maybe a further sign of just how things have been going for the Oilers this season a they're being outplayed but their penalty killing, which has been terrible this year, second last in the NHL. It's the worst penalty kill in the league over the last two years. They actually kill off two consecutive penalties. They actually do well on the penalty kill. Yes, Colorado missed a couple of good chances, but the puck didn't go in. They uh, they were shorthanded for 350 because there was a 10-second overlap where they were down two men. They killed those off. And then a weird one, Brad Malone steps out of the penalty box, doesn't have both feet on the ice, so gets called for illegally touching the puck. Colorado scores on that man advantage. Then Tyson Berry gets the weak one a minute later on Colorado. And the Avs absolutely roll from there. So hopefully the Oilers can uh, answer the bell tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks. Jones in nets to our right. Burns the only defenseman out there with Hurdle, Couture, and LeBanc. LeBanc gets the pass from Burns. Gains the zone on the power play in overtime. He's having trouble, but he shovels it back to Couture. Now to Burns. Slaps it. Score! Brent Burns wins it in overtime for the San Jose Sharks. And he's mobbed by his teammates. 14th career overtime goal for Brent Burns. That's an all-time record. And the Sharks win it over Vegas. Well... Sharks in Vegas coming up in round one. That was the game on Saturday night. The San Jose Sharks liked how that one finished. They weren't as happy after their game yesterday in Vancouver. And our good buddy Dan Rusinowski, who was calling the play-by-play there on the Sharks Radio Network, joins us on Inside Sports. Dan, welcome back to Edmonton. My goodness, for the third time this season. How are you doing? Fantastic. Good to be on with you, Bree. I'm always happy to talk to you, and uh, the Sharks are going to the postseason. Unfortunately, the Oilers are not. Uh, Let's start with the recent history. Take me through the last couple games. We'll start with that game uh, against Vegas on Saturday. A lot made of that because it is going to be a first-round matchup, and the Sharks able to get a dramatic victory off the stick of Burns. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty important game for the Sharks, just emotionally to get over the hump of having that uh, lengthy losing streak come to an end, but but also to prove to themselves and remind themselves that, yes, they're fully capable of beating a a very strong Vegas Golden Knights team. And I think that those things were were good things to put in the back of the head just before playoff series. And now we'll uh, work on the last few things with the club here going down the last couple of games. Uh, Season finale on the road tonight. And then, of course, one more home game after this against Colorado on Saturday. Uh, last night's game, I mean, obviously I had our Oilers game, so I didn't really get to see much of this one, but just reading some of the post-game reaction. And, you know, it is that time of year where I guess you can say, well, they're not they're not playing any, for anything, but it seemed like San Jose wasn't very happy with the game in Vancouver yesterday. Well, no, there's nothing to be happy about the fact that you have a 2-1 to lead. You don't get the insurance goal that everybody says you generally need in the league when you have an opportunity to get it. And then uh, you watch that league, uh, lead uh, just sort of fade away. And that was something that, that just was not on the, on the script for the Sharks to, to play in Vancouver. I think everything had been going reasonably well. But, uh, but when, that, when that didn't happen, when they didn't get the third goal, and then when they got sloppy in their own end, I, I think those are things that, that, that really disturbed them. So they'll be back at it tomorrow, and obviously they'll put it together against the Oilers, one last road game. But um, I, I just think that giving up more than two goals is so deadly for most teams in the league. You look at the Sharks, though, and they allow two goals or less. They're 30-0. and 0. 
Uh, they haven't done it for, I think, 11 games now, though. So that's something that they got to worry about. We've got to get the goals against down. All right. Well, getting it together against the Oilers has not been a problem for San Jose, Dan, as Oilers fans know painfully well. The season series, Hitch's first game, November 20th, the Oilers tough out a 4-3 overtime win. That was a pretty good game. December 29th, San Jose beat Edmonton 7-4, and that score probably flatters the Oilers because they got a couple of goals late in the third, 7-2 on January 8th and 5-2 on February 9th, where uh, I believe San Jose had a, built up a 3-0 lead. The Oilers kind of fought back but never really got back into the game. I, I mean, San Jose has just been able to overwhelm the Oilers. You may have heard me referencing it before. I popped on. I mean, when Colorado decided to crank up the speed and the pressure last night, the Oilers consistently haven't been able to keep up with those teams. So, uh, I, I mean, San Jose, you know, I, I know it's it's not a meaningful game for either team, but, um, <laughs> you know, Sharks may be smelling blood given the, the caliber of their opponent tomorrow. Well, we'll just have to see how it goes. After all, there is that first game of the season in which the big guys on the Oilers got the got the job done when it really mattered, and that's always a possibility. Same thing really happened last night uh, with the Vancouver game, and that uh, Tanner Pearson really was the best player on the ice for both teams, and, and he showed it with his two-goal performance. So you always run into that, and you always want to make sure that you're disciplined and you're on your game. And I think that's where the Sharks want to be. They've got to, they want to make sure that they're prepared for the playoffs. They've dealt with, I think, a pretty big injury to Bradim Shimek, who I think was a valuable player on this club. And they're still trying to work out how that's all going to sort out down the stretch here for the playoff run. They've been playing Jake Middleton in that position alongside Brent Burns, and that didn't look too terrible last night. But uh, the other option is Joachim Ryan, and it, it's had its ups and its downs. So I think that that's one of the, I guess you could say, mysteries that they have to solve. And I think that it will get solved and, and worked on. And obviously, uh, everybody needs to be at the top of their game going in from the goal on out. Well, let me ask you about, about the goaltending, because the, the perception, and we talk about it in, in this city, is a Vegas-San Jose Vegas, I mean, Vegas is a very good team, very deep team, went to the Stanley Cup final last year. San Jose is a very deep team. They got a lot of great players. They've been to a Stanley Cup final in the last three years. Uh, but Martin Jones is pure numbers this season. I mean, the win, the, you can't argue with the win-loss. He has 35 wins out of 61 appearances. The save percentage, though, is really surprising for a team with a, as good a record as the Sharks have then. He has an 896 save percentage. Tell me a little bit about his season, and maybe in, in Shark World, is this perceived as a question mark, a concern, going into a matchup against Marc-Andre Fleury of the Knights? Well, I suppose the question that, that is endlessly asked in philosophical circles is, is perception reality or not? And, and that's, uh, that's something that I, I think that we're going to have to see when we get to the playoffs. I, I think if you look at the series against Vegas last year, uh, you would say that Marc-Andre Fleury was just a tad better than Martin Jones was, and uh, that probably is fair to say. So um, Fleury, somebody who's got some Stanley Cup championships, a real key to that, uh, that team over there with Vegas, uh, maybe just a tad better in that particular series. And that was a major difference. Uh, other than that, I think it was really, really close. So uh, the same thing could be said for coming up now. How's Fleury's health? How's he going to be? You know, uh, I guess ready to come back, they say. So 
uh, and be at the top of his game. But on the other flip side of it, where's Martin Jones at? I, I'd say that he probably um, would be the first to tell you that, that he'd like to make that one or two extra saves a game. I think that he's been uh, lately making some of the bigger ones. Even the game they lost last night, he made some huge saves. He stopped uh, Louis Erickson on the breakaway, and then he made an absolutely brilliant save against Brock Besser on a play that was set up by Quinn Hughes, which certainly showcased his ability to, to generate offense as a, you know, a four-game NHL veteran. But that's a guy who's got a, a really bright future for, uh, for Vancouver, as does his brother wherever he ends up. So that, uh, that I think, is, is something that, that Martin Jones has been working on. I'd say he's been trending in the right direction. And I'd say that, that that once the playoffs start, that he's going to be prepared to be at his top level. And when, when Martin Jones is at his top level, he's an elite goaltender. He's top five in the league when he's at his best. So I just don't think he's been quite exactly where he's wanted to be this year. For whatever reason, whether it's uh, in the beginning of the team in front of him, getting used to you know having Eric Carlson on the team, trying to integrate all of that in, and giving up a lot of big scoring chances in, in the beginning of the year. You look at the first maybe 35, 40 games, the Sharks led the league in breakaways allowed, and they, they also allowed, led the league in two-on-one or three-on-two scoring chances on the goaltender. So with the talented players in this league, you, you know, it's pretty difficult to, to stop those anyway. So I think it's a combination of a few things. That uh, sort of lends to your confidence a little bit at times. And so um, I don't think any anybody inside the locker room or anybody – uh, around the team is too concerned about Martin Jones as a goaltender right now. I think everybody's fine with him, and they're looking forward to him uh, maybe standing up to some of those critics and uh, and uh, hockey analysts and, uh, so we say, analytic types going into the round one against Vegas. Well, all the stats start over at zero in the playoffs, so that's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Eric yeah. Carlson, uh, a huge offseason acquisition. Uh, I think he's missed 16 games with a bit, a bit of a groin issue. I, I have read he's going to be back for the playoffs. J- maybe just update his status and his season with San Jose. I mean, he's almost a point a game, 45 and 52. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to play for about a third of the season. But how would you sum up uh, Carlson's health and also his first year as a Shark? Well, I, I think it's a big adjustment, obviously, when you've spent your entire career with one team. And then, of course, the way things ended in Ottawa and everything that went with that, uh, very emotional. So um, when he came over to the Sharks, he had to get uh, integrated, as I said earlier. It took a few games, maybe 10 or 15. But once he started to get into gear, I, I just think he uh, made the Sharks so much of a better team. And that's, uh, that's what he's there for. That's what he's all about. He's just a superior skater. He's a great positional two-time Norris Trophy winning defenseman, and he's got all that offense. And you throw in Brent Burns, who's, I think, having a Norris Trophy-like year. You've got two um, amazing threats that are, that are really difficult to defend against. And I, I think that the, the, the big breaking news, so to speak, today was, uh, was over at Rogers Place today. He took full part in practice. And I think that that's a, an amazing step forward to get ready for the playoffs. He hasn't been doing that. He's been, you know, maybe 30 40% going at it and then uh, working a little bit more on his own after everybody was done. But... Uh, this was a full practice uh, for him, and I think that that was a big step forward for him. So we're getting to the point where we're going to see a lot more of Eric Carlson, and everybody in San Jose is excited about that. And I think we're looking forward to, to his uh, providing a, a great deal of value to this team in the playoffs. And, and then we'll, we'll see where it all ends at the end of the season when he decides what he wants to do about unrestricted free agency. But nobody's really talking about that right now. Everybody just wants to, to see him back in the lineup healthy and 
and doing what he did when he was healthy, and that is becoming a big part of this team. Dan, it's always great to have you on the show. I look forward to seeing you at the rink tomorrow. That's going to be a great series for you to call between the Sharks and the Golden Knights when they get going next week, man. Really appreciate you making time for us on Inside Sports. Anytime, Reed. Always good to be with you. And I'll tell you what, folks, uh, this, this series with Vegas is going to be something else. These teams don't like each other. They've got a rivalry from last year, and it's all adding up to being uh, what I think should be a classic series. So I'm looking forward to it. See you, Dan. Yep, see you tomorrow. As Dan Ruzanowski checking in, play-by-play voice on the Sharks radio network. A lot, lot going on around that team with the with the goaltending Carlson. He mentioned Burns having a, a great season, for a perhaps Norris Trophy caliber. I, I, I know Rob Brown, who I do the Oilers postgame show with, he favors Mark Giordano for that award this season. But San Jose, a dangerous team. Um, they in Vegas in the first round. Dan just mentioned it, some bad blood. That's never a bad thing going into the playoffs. They did meet last year, but Flurry, you know, likely to be back for Vegas. And, yeah, that that is really weird. I mean, you can often take the, the 16 goalies with the best save percentage in the NHL, the 16 starters, and those are often the starters on the 16 teams that make the playoffs. Not the case for Martin Jones this season. Really surprising to see him at 896. Dan mentioned that they, uh, especially earlier in the season, they gave up a lot of odd man rushes, a lot of high caliber scoring chances. Uh, so maybe that drove up his save percentage to some extent. But San Jose has guys who could score. I mean, you got Hurdle, 35 goals, Couture, 27, Meyer, 30, Pavelski, 38, Kane, 29. A couple of guys with 16. They can really spread it around. Okay, it is 649 inside sports on 630. Chad, uh, a little bit. On the Nuge, someone made a comment about Nugent Hopkins that uh, some of you weren't happy with. We'll get to that when we get back. Now 3-1 Ottawa leading the Rangers. They are nine minutes into the second period. And Chicago gets the first goal against St. Louis after the first. Now Jonathan Taves gets his 35th of the year, 1-0. Blackhawks leading the Blues. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We will have the Oilers and the Sharks on 6.30 Ched tomorrow. Face-off show at 5.30. The game will start at 7 as we get closer to what will be another tumultuous offseason for the Edmonton Oilers. They will hire a general manager, and uh, I believe they will hire a new coach as well. And they're going to have to look for some new players, and that is not going to be easy. It's going to be a tough task for the new general manager to drastically improve the team for next season. Um, the, you know, everybody's going to have their own opinion on this, and I, and I guess on the roster, but I did have a caller last night, and he said the Oilers have five very good players to build around, and I asked which five, even though I was pretty sure which ones he meant, but there, there are a couple of these players in this group who, who might have detractors, and the, and the caller said Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oscar Clefbaum, and Darnell Nurse, who does have his detractors. I know I, I got a text here from Jim after I mentioned Nurse hitting the 40-point plateau. Jim said, I would sooner see Nurse keep 40 pucks out of the net by stellar defensive play than get 40 points. Well, fair comment, I suppose, but I still think Darnell Nurse is a, is a pretty good player. 
Uh, but I was uh, driving in today. We have Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, noon to 2 every day on 6.30, Chad. Craig Simpson is Bob's regular guest on Wednesday. And as soon as he said this, I, I thought, oh, people are going to react to this. And, and then sure enough, I get in and people are reacting to it. Here's, uh, here's a little nugget Craig Simpson threw out today. You know, if you are looking to make a deal, and I know I, I listened to you talk about Nugent Hopkins having a career year and uh, the, the things that he does bring. You know, if you can secure a Derek Ryan-type player as that third-line center or a speedier guy in the fourth line, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the new GM at some point has to entertain a package that includes Nugent Hopkins to get better in other areas. All right. So that is what Craig Simpson said. Now, he's not saying to trade Nugent Hopkins for a, th- a third-line center and a speedy fourth-liner. He is saying if you got players of those varieties, that in his opinion, maybe you could trade Nugent Hopkins to get better players or or a couple of better players, a defenseman and a forward or or whatever. He's not saying specifically to trade Brian Nugent Hopkins for a player like Derek Ryan. What he's saying is if you had a player like Derek Ryan, who currently has 37 points in 79 games on a very good and very deep Flames team, Maybe that would give you the versatility to uh, you know to move Nuge. You got to find that player first. And I will say this: and look, any any trade could be on the table. Anybody could get traded at any given time. You never know. I I will just say this about, and this is pure speculation, but a a, a potential deal that would see Nugent Hopkins leave the Oilers. You better have somebody who can fill that hole. You can trade Nugent Hopkins to fill holes on the rosters on the roster, but then you're creating another one by not having him on the team because he's a pretty good two-way player right now who's still good on the power play and who's had a pretty good season point-wise, even though for the most part he's been playing with wingers who really should be on the fourth line or even in the minor leagues. That's who Nugent Hopkins has been with most of the season. So... That's my take on that. But uh, Craig Simpson, I guess, seeing it slightly differently, which is fine. There's going to be a lot of speculation about the team's roster as we move along. Okay, we're coming up to the 7 o'clock news and weather. The Canadian Women's Hockey League folded over the weekend. We will get the details there from Christina Rutherford at sportsnet.ca. I'm happy to hear from you as well. 780-496-0063 or by texting 630-630. Back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.